I'll say when it's. Hi, this is ARK Watson and, and Lori, Lori Wilson, <laughs> and this is Catholic Reads Reviews. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're discussing uh, The Night Side of the Long Sun by Gene Wolfe. Um, so, is it a mirror image on the screen? No, they should be able to read it. It's okay, backwards good. Test. Okay. <clears throat> um, but, uh, okay, so if you don't know Gene Wolfe, he's kind of like the white stripes of sci-fi fantasy. Or um, uh, he's the—he's not super well known, but a lot of well-known writers credit him as a major influence. Um, I've got here uh, Neil Gaiman, Patrick O'Leary have credited Wolf for inspiration, and um, a lot of them say that he is the uh, best living sci-fi writer, um, you know, in existence, um, and. He's also referred to as uh, the Melville of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, he's often listed under most under and over most over eh, most underrated most underrated authors. Um, and yeah, and the guy's like in his nineties and he's still writing. I think he came out with a book two years Seriously? ago. Seriously? Yeah. You keep up with your stuff. <laughs> I know how to fangirl. Um, okay, so uh, I came across Gene Wolfe's name when I, in the very beginning of my obsession with Catholic fiction, he was listed, uh, and he, in, in his interviews, he professes to be Catholic, and is actually a convert as well, so I dug up his books and started reading them, uh, and then I shoved them on Lori. <laughs> <laughs> And she gave me like this big, heavy one. I was like, I don't really have time to read it. But what you've been telling me, it sounds like he has really cool writing. It's just like, oh, well, he also wrote a more light reading. I don't know if it's light reading, but it's easier. Bigger words, bigger print. Um, was the Night Side of the Long Sun mm -hmm. series. Yeah, I know everyone says start with Shadow of the Torture first, but I couldn't find it. And I read that one, that series after the sequel series, but whatever. <laughs> um. And so I was like, okay. And I, I've known Alyssa for a while, I don't know. <laughs> so what was, and be honest, be honest, what, yeah. was, your, what was your first impression of g -Mall? My first impression is, it's kind of boring, it takes a while to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, I hadn't read for fun or read sci-fi specifically or any book that wasn't outside of my studies <laughs> for a long time. So it was it was neat to like get into a book again. Um, and I happened to read it at the best time ever, which is, you know, in bed at night, you know, maybe start around eight o'clock. And I'm reading, and as I'm reading, I'm realizing I'm reading it about at the same rate at which the events are happening, more or less. Mm -hmm. So in the book, it starts. Yeah, it starts like a. It might mid start mid-afternoon, morning, yeah. but you know, when you're reading a book, you're like, oh, well, I just spent this whole day, you know. Um, and <laughs> I think I read to like midnight or 2 a.m. that night. And I realized it's midnight or 2 a.m. in the story. <laughs> I felt like I was experiencing this story in, like, the same time, time. In real time. Yeah. I was, I don't know if Gene Wolfe did that purposely or was aware of that. 
that's one thing that he currently was able to do with this particular story. Uh, we should give a summary of the plot. So Night Side of the Lone Sun starts in this fantasy world. Um, and well, it's a real world to characters. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Um, uh, it's a world where um, very, very different culture than ours. Uh, there is no Christianity or, or other ones. But um, I, we'll get to that. Um, no, um, I was saying, it seems to be like a medieval type, you know, village concept. It's not completely foreign. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's about a, a priest of some religion, right? Trying to save his parish school. Kind of a, you know, 30s black and white movie. You know, save the school. <laughs> we got to raise money. We're poor. Um, and the, the religion of this priest that they do show is obviously a parallel to Catholicism. So it feels like save the parish school, you know, like poor Catholic parish, save the school. Um, and so it's very almost realistic in a sense where yeah. like, yeah. So essentially it starts with him finding out that the deed to his, his poor parish school has been sold to essentially uh, a criminal mob boss, but it has been legally sold to this guy and they're gonna shut it down, and it's like his his parish is like, like kind of the major um, support for a lot of these families. So he decides to, you know, this whole reversal of roles, he decides to sneak into the mob boss's house and steal. illegally steal the deed back from the school. So, so even though, you know, there's the rich guy and he happens to have a lot of money and he decides to Somehow he legally has the right and property and land to this school. And the priest, the morally scrupulous priest, is like, this is my life. This is my livelihood. These boys are going to starve. Like, this is really important to me. Don't attack my baby cups. <laughs> he, he decides to become a thief and has to sneak into this rich guy's what do you call it? Castle? What castle? Uh, mansion? Mansion, villa. It's got a fence, security. See the security chimera stuff defending it, you know. Robot things. Um, um, and so he has to go in and yeah. steal the so deed. The book chronicles just that night of him sneaking in and getting past the security and figuring out his plan and how to get the money or somehow money's involved. Get the deed get or the something. Deed. Um, but anyway, maybe makes a deal at some point. I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you start. You first, you thought it was slow and you hard to get into it, but then it's like midnight and you're into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you get used to the reading. It was yeah. a little bit of a learning curve, I suppose. Yeah, not having is, picked up a book in a while. It kind of reminds me of um, yeah of Melville and Tolkien. It's a little. It's very wordy, very beautifully written. Um, it wasn't um, the very best yeah. type of written. Like, maybe it's an opinion. I, I thought it was written well enough. Like, but personally, I like um, Jules Verne wrote The Mysterious Island. And it's, it's not much drama or excitement, 
but it just feels good to read the words. <laughs> um, but maybe that's just the type of literature I like. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so what I really liked about this was um, it kind of made me think about my faith differently because the, um, the character's religion is kind of a parallel for Catholicism and he does a good job of, like they have a ceremony where they sacrifice uh, lambs and cows and stuff. And so he describes that and he did a really good job of um, kind of helping an outsider see why the, what is good, what is the good that can come from ritual itself. Um, oh. uh, so I, I think that, that was really, um, interesting to me so when you read this you were not catholic yet or where no i was i was but um i was still getting used to feeling catholic or maybe understanding more of what i mean well i mean i i, I was catholic <laughs> I, I i had i i had theologically and um my my logical side of my brain had fully assented um but things still felt weird and alien in many ways. Here you are on an alien place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and fiction is, is, and books like this are part of what helped me understand that kind of internal cultural logic that surrounds a lot of the symbolism of, of, of uh, Catholicism. Okay. Um, you know, the things like, because, you know, like in Protestant culture, um, whenever you kneel, or actually, yeah, so uh, whenever, like, Hail Mary, Flow of Grace, mm -hmm. Hail in Protestant culture has a worship connotation, but it, it really just directly translates to hello, right? Yeah, but it's taken from scripture and in context, yeah, I, I, but I it's a greeting of yeah. respect. And, and mentally... I wow. got stuff like that, but my instincts were still very colored by that that Protestant culture. And because you associate, like, the same word can have two different meanings to two different people because yeah. they have different things attached to it yeah. from and, the experience. Yeah. And, and ritual, too, was something that I had a kind of uh, instinctual, like, revulsion instilled in me um and it took me a while to get over that even after i understood that that reaction was illogical and not in keeping with the original intentions of christianity and to be honest i have a hard time keeping a routine even <laughs> so i can understand um how in, in terms of faith ritual would be a hard Thing to grasp onto whereas he's never had it yeah exactly i mean i you know my mom always kept routine i just one of those like oh we'll do it differently every day you know, as long as you get out the door at the right time <laughs> um, but as far as ritual I'm, I'm a cradle catholic i grew up um you know this is just what you do okay <laughs> you know no questions asked it must be for the best my parents told me to <laughs> it's very blind faith as a child i suppose mm -hmm. um then when I was started homeschooling, 
started learning more about my faith and like, oh, wow, there's meaning behind all this. It all makes sense. <laughs> but coming from a Protestant background or a background where like ritual is considered like, um, you have to do it or else you're going to go to hell <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's considered very legalistic and illogical um, and uh, idolatrous even. Um, so when you were reading this book and you have this very ritualistic, um, even morally scrupulous to a fault character, was it in you, the author creates a character that you can relate to, that you sympathize with or at least can engage with mm -hmm. in some level. When you read this, were you like, okay? I mean, at some parts it's like, it is not okay how scrupulous he is about these things because no. it's like driving him crazy. Yeah. yeah. And did that, how, how did you relate to this character? Well, it, it just, it just made me feel like the guy wasn't preaching at me. You know, he, he, he points out the flaws and the strengths of, of ritual and how it can be used in a healthy way and how it can be used in an unhealthy way. Um, as in, so there's a scene that mimics confession. Oh, I love that scene. And, when I read it, I didn't know whether to laugh or be shocked with a blasphemy. And <laughs> so, tell him what happens in this. Okay, so he's he's about to go be a thief, right? And so he goes to his friend, and he's he's his like, his friend is a thief. He knows a guy who comes to him for confession all the time, so he knows this this guy breaks into people's houses. Yes. Yeah. So so stuff. he goes to this thief, to learn how to be a thief. Yeah. And, and to help him have cut <laughs> some help. Um, but he's like, okay, so before I do this, if I die, I, I want to be be cleaned, you know, have pure conscience or clean conscience or be confessed. And it sounds like you go to confession before you commit the sin. Yeah. Or you, you're like, oh, it's okay. I commit the sin because I can just go to confession afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so first he, 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 he absolves his friend. So that his friend can then absolve him. Yeah. So first he hears the thief's confession so that the thief can hear his confession. Yeah. And it, it is very twisted. It's yeah. It doesn't really like, work that way. The priest character is not necessarily the moral center of the story. And you. Uh, actually, you, I think the thief, the thief is actually really the moral yeah, center it's, of the story. It's weird how it. It switches. He, the, the priest is so morally scrupulous that. Check all the boxes. Kind yeah, of it's almost like you manipulate the structure to, you know, it's it's not always a plug and chug mm -hmm. function. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the thief like genuinely is sorry for his sins and can't but can't figure out a way out of them. Yeah, so you have the the thief who knows stealing is wrong, but that's kind of how he makes his livelihood. Mm -hmm. um, so you have the thief, the good-hearted, you know, probably like good-hearted agnostic atheist who wants to do good and right. is seeking it and striving for it. And you have the orally scrupulous priest who knows what's good according to his standard and like, you know, knows all this stuff, but he is not at peace because he's missing something. Because yeah. he's he is letting all these rules and rituals overrun his but, life. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the whole series, um, and, and Lori just read the first book, so uh, the whole series kind of, this is the theme of ritual and the 
proper use and hypocrisy and proper yeah, use it yeah. is a major theme in the story and um and it's kind of the whole so there's four books in the series it kind of chronicles um silk that's his name is the ah. priest's name uh it chronicles uh silk's conversion um like actual conversion of heart and actually finding that proper use and um and the proper way of treating people and thinking of them. And putting ritual in, like, ritual is a natural extension of... Mm -hmm. As like a, a, a natural outgrowth of those... Um, True. Of, the, of that truth, not, not a... Imposed thing. It's, yeah. It's part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Silk has to discover that in his journey. Um, one thing that I... I don't know how much I can recommending wolf to others per let's talk about the naked ladies yes <laughs> um, it, it's like when you watch a movie and oh it's a really great movie and then your mom walks in on that one scene and you're like oh shoot i forgot about that scene <laughs> you know <laughs> or you're like it's a great movie but uh just just close your eyes during this one fast scene forward. and fast forward <laughs> i'll tell you what happened yeah. you know um, it's not related to the plot. Yeah. And I'm very sensitive. Like, I don't know who's going to be reading this book. Like, I'm not a guy. I don't quite understand that. But yep. I, Two not heterosexual men are not present right now. So that's yeah. a double negative. Um, just, you know, I read along in the story, and I just get the sense that the author falls into this sexual fantasy writing. Mm -hmm. And it, it just is like, why? There's, why? There's just like lots of. The voice usually, changes. The yeah. voice in the writing changes. And it just threw me out of the story. Yeah. It kind of was disturbing. And, and it's like I couldn't trust the author because he went to his own idiosyncratic, your fantasy thing. Yeah. And it's, there's a, there's some scenes that take place in a, what do you call it, not a harem? It's a brothel. A brothel. Yeah. And there's like, the priest goes and he has to, he has to exercise, exercise he has to do the, exorcism on the brothel. On the brothel, which, you know, kind of makes sense. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, I, I saw the author showing like, you know, Jesus hanging out or being with the prostitutes and and respecting them with and treating them with dignity. Um, and, and there is that in those scenes. Yeah, Silk himself makes an effort to do that. Yeah, but and you don't so, always feel like the narrator is. Yeah. Um, um, and, exactly. and this is something, I, I am a fan of Gene Wolfe, but this is something very weird about his writings. And almost every single book I've read of him, there's at least one scene with a naked lady. And and it's just there, and it's like, why is this necessary? And uh, you know, again, I'm not a guy, so I don't find them. Uh, it's uh, hard because you're titillating or anything, and so I don't know if they guys would, but it's just um, if you would see it in a movie, it feels, you would it be feels like you know, it feels like those '80s uh, movies where it's kind of a boy exploitation, uh, exploitation films, like um, Mad Science Experiment, where they make the the perfect woman lady, and it's just 
it's fan servicey. That's the word I'm looking for. It's very randomly fan servicey. Um, and it just ruined, like, it, you've seen movies, right? The woman's just, like, not wearing very yeah. much clothes. And for just, no reason. Yeah, for no reason. It just yeah. ruins the whole movie because you're, like, like, worrying about, oh, my gosh, if this guy's watching this. Great story, but, yeah. I mean, who's like, gonna... I want to get back to the action adventure, please, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or even in the action adventure, she's not wearing enough clothing up here yeah, or down there. It's distracting, and it's distracting. And the writing, too. Yeah. I, I, I tried. I was, like, you know... I was kind of disturbed. I was like, there's a series. I'm going to write the whole series, right? So I picked up the second book, and it starts out with the priest and one of the prostitutes. Or, I don't know, but some of information. She's there bringing information or something. Yeah, it's at the at the, ex, at the, uh, brothel, the beginning. exercise. Oh, okay. And she's all over them. And, and, and it's, it's different when... When you watch a movie, you can shut your eyes and pick up the information. Mm-hmm. And just fast forward through the scene or whatever. Or, you know, but you, you know, it's like, oh, this scene is really important information for the story. Mm-hmm. But you can shut your eyes and listen. But in a book, you can't. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can only do so much in your imagination. Um, maybe that's a skill. I don't know. But, yeah. So. And I think I'm, part of it is, for me, I'm very jaded having read a lot of uh, books for boys and sci-fi and all that. Um, but I can understand why like, it's not necessarily for everyone. And that's, that's kind of the question well, we I have mean, is, yeah. is for all that there are really good uh, themes and introspection and, and these books and Gene Wolfe himself is a great book to give to a non-Catholic friend if you want to have discussions about uh, ritual and and that sort of thing that is, in a way that's it's palatable to them. It's, it can be very useful for that, but at the same time, you're like, are you putting life. them in moral jeopardy by doing that? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the and thing. that's why it's it's so frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, I can't I can't judge the author. Like, we all fall, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> so and, and, I, and I think it's really impressive that. You know, especially uh, all the authors, that, a lot of the authors that refer to him as, you know, a huge influence for them. They're very secular and they're usually not sometimes even hostile towards religion itself. And he has not backed down from that. He has continued to well, I mean, uh, say he is a Catholic and um, I think <laughs> and defend the religious themes in his works. Um, sure. But then I there's that giant easy. naked white whale in his books. <laughs> <laughs> and, a white and, elephant. And it's know. like, oh, what whale? You call him Melville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's true. laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it'd be great to be cut off, so it's fine to have your naked white whales all around all the time and yep. fall yep. into that little fantasy. But um, as far as style and talent and creativity, like the creativity of the, the priest being the thief, and like the dynamic characters and the bad guys. Like there's this one bad guy and he comes in the scene and you just feel creeped out. You don't even know why. Like, cause, cause Wolf is that talented. Like you don't even know the, like why this guy is so creepy. Maybe you don't know much about him, but you just feel like, oh my gosh, he's so evil. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you barely know him. You yeah, don't know yeah. much about him. And usually that's only, probably part of it. Yeah, but yeah, usually <laughs> only movies can do that where someone walks in and you're like, that's a bad guy. Because the music tells you. 
yeah, the music's up. You don't have music in books. <laughs> but somehow, Wolf finds a way. Yeah. No, he's, I would say he's very talented. I can uh, see how he would be influential to other sci-fi authors. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. it's, it's like, I think there's a Batman question. Like, oh, if I commit a moral sin and it saves everybody, it's justified. Well, no. Mm -hmm. But um, you have I would say read with caution. Um, be aware of if you're suggesting it. Yeah, if you have uh, a weakness towards, um, you know, lust. Uh, lust or pornography, maybe not watch it, not read it. Um, but uh, yeah, and I would like to actually hear what you guys have to say. Like, do you leave a, leave a message in the comments? Let us know. Do you think that Gene Wolfe um, should be classified among Catholic authors? Uh, do you find the fan service in his books um, a pro too much of a problem? Not at all. Uh, where where do you fall in all this? Yes, yeah. I mean, as far as the author himself, he's Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where he is. Yeah, or we're when not he... talking about the guys. No, we're not talking about, talking about like, Obviously, he's Catholic. We all mess there. up. Who knows? Yeah. I, hopefully, he has grown deeper and is, is okay. Um, but would this be considered like Catholic literature? Not, not because it's written by a Catholic. Like, mm -hmm. but like but of the story material on its own. itself, and it it's messy. Life is messy. Like literature is messy. Literature is messy too. Like if we call it Catholic because it's messy and life is messy, and you know Catholicism is made like, of imperfect people. Is made of imperfect people, and the church is there for us and perfect people so that we can get through that mess and keep getting back up again from that mess. It's like, look, we're all a mess. Okay, now let's, let me show you how you can get clean. <laughs> yeah. Um, or is it like the ends don't justify the means, just cut it out. <laughs> um, it was, it was frustrating when I read this. Like, I knew those people who were all stuck up. Well, they're not stuck up, but you know, uh, scrupulous, scrupulous about their Catholic faith, and they were led by fear. And I used to be too. And through good friends, I grew out of that and could help others see mm -hmm. that they were afraid. And I was like, oh my gosh, so you know, it's like this. The <laughs> character is going to this awesome yeah, character. Like, hey, yeah. But I, I kind of keep reading the books. If it was done with the naked ladies, great. But okay. this is what we have for now. Yep. <laughs> so I challenge you other authors, if you can read this with caution, yeah. steal it and make it better. And leave your leave your uh, own opinion in the comments, because we'd be really interested to hear what you guys have to, exactly. to say about this. Exactly. All right. Um, so thanks for listening. This was uh, Lori Wilson and Eric K. Watson with Catholic Reads Reviews. If you uh, want to find more awesome books like this, you can go to catholicreads.com, click on reviews, pick your favorite genre, and go to town.
Uh, if you're like, no, I can't do that, Alyssa. I, I live on pennies and coppers and I can't spend any money on supporting the arts at all. That's fine. You can subscribe to Catholic Reads and we'll send you an email only once a week with one of those books marked down 50% off to free. So it's a great affordable way to support Catholic artists and to find really uh, great Catholic works. And you might not have any money, but I'm sure you know people who like to buy books <laughs> for you. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. It makes for a great uh, Christmas list. Just forward them the 50% the off email that we send you to the <laughs> respective fairy godmother. Um, yes. Yeah, and if you want to find out what I'm working on, you can go to arkwatson.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.